You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. Good morning. Uh, I'm going to start off this morning by telling you a story about my fantasy football team. And I get it. You don't care. Like, uh, fantasy football is just Dungeons and Dragons for jocks. Uh, I get you don't care about my team. Like, you don't care that my team has won four championships in the past ten years. Uh, You don't care that it's considered kind of a dynasty. Uh, That some people might consider me the Bill Belichick of fantasy football. Uh, I understand you don't care about any of that. But I'm going to tell the story anyway. Uh, This past season my team made it to the championship. It's a big deal. And uh, I was going to use my friend David. This is a league that's, that's back in Richmond. I guess I should set that up. I spent about a decade in Richmond, Virginia, and I was a part of this fantasy league then. And now, uh, for the past three or four years, I fly there every Labor Day weekend for this draft, for this league. And the league uh, started in Richmond, but now half the league lives scattered across the country in Ohio and North Carolina, Florida, uh, Maryland, Louisiana. And then a bunch still in Richmond. But every year, half the league travels to Richmond for this draft. It's a way that we stay connected uh, as friends and we stay connected throughout the year. We have a chat, we, we, we talk smack, all that kind of stuff. So it's a great friendship bond too. But this year in this league, I made it to the championship. And I was going against my friend uh, David. And heading into the final game of the week, I had a lead. And the, the app said I had a 52% chance of winning. I like those odds. David had one player left, Stefan Diggs, who's a wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. Now, this is week 17 of the NFL, Buffalo Bills versus Cincinnati Bengals. And if you're an NFL fan, this is the game known as the DeMar Hamlin game. DeMar Hamlin is a defensive player for the Buffalo Bills. On Monday night of that, uh, that game, he was hit awkwardly, and he went into cardiac arrest, and he almost died on the field. And it was awful. And he was, he was carried off, and the, the teammates were were just shook. You can see there's crying and there's just a huge amount of concern. Uh, it was an awful thing to watch, an awful thing to experience, and obviously awful for, for Hamlin. Uh, and the game, the players were so shook and it was such a tragic happening that they canceled the game indefinitely. Uh, thankfully, Hamlin recovered. He's, this past week they even said he's cleared some, some protocols. He's, he's doing a lot better. Um, but and I want to make a caveat before I get back to fantasy football that that guy's life is way more important than fantasy football. Fantasy football is just Dungeons and Dragons for jocks. It's just a stupid game. That's an asterisk, a caveat, a disclaimer. But a few days later, after the, the dust had kind of settled, everyone kind of like regulated back down uh, after that event, the league's like, so what are we going to do with the game? Uh, the championship game. Because Stefan Diggs, the game ended at the end of the first quarter. I had the lead because he hadn't played a full game, and they would end up not rescheduling that game. And for the next two weeks in my league full of friends that love each other dearly, chaos ensued. I was called names I can't repeat in here. I called people names I can't repeat in here. It was chaos. We were going back and forth because there's, there's diff- a few ways you can handle this. One would be the score ended the way it is and, and that's the result. And if that was the case, I would get the victory. Another option would have been uh, David could have used Stefan Dick's scores for the next week. And had we made that decision, David would have won. And the league fought for two weeks. Like, we were just at each other's throats about this. Um, And the commissioner, Ray, our buddy Ray, was in a really tough spot. 
because he could go with the letter of the law and I would win. He could go with the heart of the law and David would have won. And the league was literally split down that we voted on it. It was six to six. We couldn't decide on what to do. And Ray, the commissioner, was in a pickle. Whatever decision he made would make half the league angry. He was in between a rock and a hard place. He was in a double bind, which is what I want to talk about this morning, a double bind. Bless you. A double bind is when, is a situation in which a person is faced with conflicting expectations or demands that make it impossible to satisfy both. So a double bind is when a, a person is faced with conflicting expectations or demands that make it impossible to satisfy both. Now this could be a situation like Ray was in, no matter what decision he made, half the league would be angry. It could be a decision you make as a part of your identity if you're like a parent and a spouse. There's times when you have to make a decision to give more weight to being a parent or more weight to being a spouse. There's a constant tension that happens there with that identity. It might be a tension between your identity as a professional in your workplace, in your personal life. There's a tension that exists there. It's when we have two expectations that are working against each other. Sometimes it's a lose-lose situation like my buddy Ray was in. Now last week we, we kind of defined anxiety and we talked about worry. In the New Testament word for worry, when Jesus said, do not worry, that word means to be torn in different directions, to be pulled apart. And so when we're in a double bind, we're in a situation where we're being pulled apart between two expectations, and that creates anxiety. So double bind is a, a lose-lose situation, and those situations cause anxiety. I want to give some maybe common examples of what that could look like. One common way that I experience a double bind almost on a weekly basis here in Shreveport and Bossier is when I'm pumping gas, and it happens more times than not that someone comes up to me while I'm pumping gas, and they ask me for money. And they typically give me a really long, complicated family history story. And in that moment, I am in a double bind. Because I think if I just hand the money, it's not going to fix the situation that they're giving me, even if, assuming that the situation's true. It's a complicated deal. So they're saying to me, I need you to provide a simple, immediate solution to this long-term, complex problem, and no one else but you can help me in this moment. There's a tension there between these two realities. This is a long-term solution. You're asking for a quick fix. And I feel an anxiety that pops up when I'm asked to kind of fix that. Another example of a double bind could be a family member. Say an uncle calls you and gives you information about a cousin that's really serious. Like this, this cousin's having a serious life crisis. And you're concerned. And you're, you're, you're drawn into the story and you want to help. And at the end of that conversation, the uncle says, now you're not supposed to know this. So I, you have to act now around that cousin like you don't have this information. Now you're torn in two, right? Because you want to be helpful. You want to be a good cousin, a caring person, but you also don't want to betray your uncle's confidence. He puts you in a double bind that creates anxiety. Another situation could be if you're trying to decide between speaking up or saying nothing. In social media, that's a huge temptation. Should I say anything? Most likely, no. In any situation, you probably should, should not weigh in. It, typically doesn't go well, right? But uh, I was talking to our Sunday school class a few weeks ago about double binds, and Kel mentioned when he was in college, he had this student that signed up for every religious class that the school offered, every religion class that they offered. And when the, the student came in, they were just antagonistic towards God. So they signed up for these classes with the purpose of being antagonizing against faith. And no matter what you did in that classroom, you were, you were in trouble. If you engaged in the debate, it just went on forever and ever, and you kind of fed the troll, in a sense. 
Um, but if you didn't say anything, then, it, then they, that person got away with saying whatever they wanted about God and about religion. So you were stuck in a double bind. Should you speak up and take up the entire classroom of this debate? Or should you stay quiet and let them be proven, like, get the, the final word? That could be a double bind. So we as individuals face double binds when it's decisions like that or identity crises where we're trying, we have multiple uh, identities, parent, spouse, worker, whatever, and those things can come in tension. So we can face double binds as individuals, but we also can face them as communities. Churches face double binds all the time. And really, as I define this, being stuck between a rock and a hard place, lose-lose situations, hard decisions to make, like COVID for everybody was that. How safe do I play it, right? How do I balance the need for community and connection and the need for safety and, and, and health? Like, how do you make those decisions in our workplace, in the church? We're there's this constant anxiety for two years, really, it felt like. We're having to make, navigate these conversations and decisions and relationships and in our businesses. But churches as, a, as communities can face double binds. And one common double bind for a church to face is, do, how do we honor uh, the tradition in our past while at the same time being innovative and, and, and reaching the next generation? How do we do both these things? Because sometimes they can feel like they're conflicting. Do you honor the older generations at the expense of the younger or vice versa? So a community can face this tension of the double bind where it's like a lose-lose. How do we pick between two, two losses or even two good things? So a double bind is a situation where you have conflicting expectations or demands that are, and it's impossible to satisfy both. They can create anxiety because they pull you apart. They pull you in different directions. So what do we do with double binds? I, I want to look at a story in the gospels in which Jesus is, is put into a double bind. He's put into a trap and I want to see how he handles that and then how we can kind of learn from that. So this story comes from Mark chapter three. It's verses one through six. Again, Jesus entered the synagogue and a man was there who had a withered hand. They were watching him to see whether he could cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, come forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at the hardness of their heart and he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. So the Pharisees placed a trap for Jesus. It's the Sabbath, he's in the synagogue and there's a man who needs his help. And this is the trap. Jesus can heal the man, but by the letter of the law, if he heals the man on the Sabbath, he's doing work, he's doing something, He's breaking the law. He's dishonoring the Sabbath. So if he does that, he, he ruins his reputation as a good Jew. Uh, and, and on the other hand, there's this man that's hurting. And if he ignores him, then he hurts and ruins his reputation as a healer, as a compassionate person. So this is a double bind. Do you help the person and break the law? Or do you keep the law and not help the person? That's the trap that he's stuck in. And I love this story because it says a couple things about Jesus. It says he was angry. He was ticked off at the situation they put him in. But in that same sentence, I didn't notice that this week because I've always focused on the anger part. But in that same sentence, it says, and he was grieved in his heart because of the hardness of their heart. He was angry about the situation they put him in, but he was also sad and brokenhearted 
that the Pharisees were even doing this to begin with. Like, why, why are you guys in such a bad place where this is the trap? You're trying to, to manipulate a situation and exploit a person that's, that's wounded or crippled and hurting just to trap me. So he was angry and he was grieved in his heart. So that's what he does. And the, so how does Jesus handle this trap? How does he handle this double bond? The first thing that he does is he identifies the problem. He identifies the conflicting message. He calls it out. He says, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? Now, the way he frames it, it's almost like a rhetorical question, right? He's like, it's obvious that the right thing to do is to do good. But he calls out the situation. This is the trap you guys have put me in. Here it is. He, he identifies it and he names it. Now, this is a great strategy for us when we are in double binds, when we are facing anxiety. If we can just get clarity around what the thing actually is or about what's causing the anxiety, it can help decrease the anxiety. Last week I talked about anxiety is uh, excessive worry about possible futures. Anxiety is about what if. And when it's what if and when it's vague, it's larger than life. So we're in this situation where we have anxiety or tension. It feels bigger than it actually is. And one way to get regulated, to get rid of anxiety, is to just call out the thing, to identify it and name it. To move from what if to what is, to move from bigger than life to it's, it is this specific thing. This is what is causing me tension and trouble. It's not just I'm feeling tension in my family. It's my uncle put me in a really hard spot. He's manipulating me because he's getting some kind of kicks from, from gossiping but he's trying to, to handicap my ability to help my cousin. Go back to that analogy, right? So when we call out and identify what the thing is, it actually decreases, the, it, it right-sizes the tension. So he calls out, is it lawful to do good or do harm? This is the trap you put me in, and obviously it's lawful to do good, right? He identifies it. The next thing he does is he challenges the dichotomy. So double bind typically shows up by giving you two options and both of them suck, right? There's two options and neither one of them is great. Uh, what Jesus does is say, maybe there's more than two options. It rejects the dichotomy, it rejects those two things. Break the Sabbath or be a jerk. Those are the two options he's given and he chooses a third way. His third way is, I'm going to fulfill the Sabbath by healing and helping my, my person, my friend in need. They say, do this or this. He says, no, I'm actually gonna reject both of those options and I'm gonna choose a third path. One of my favorite ways to, to do that, to break double binds, is to reject the dichotomy, to say that there's actually more options than just the two. Uh, another story that, that in the Gospels where Jesus does this is when they come to him and they say, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? So they put him in a double bind there as well. They say, you can say, yes, we should pay taxes to Rome and you're a traitor to the Jews. Or you can say, we should just pay taxes to the temple and you're a traitor to Rome, and you can be killed for this. They give him two options, and Jesus rejects the two options. And he says, hand me the coin. Whose inscription is on the coin? Caesar's. Okay. When we're taxed by the Roman Empire with, with, tax, with, with Roman money, we pay the taxes to the empire. When we're dealing with things of faith, we, 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 we tax, we, we pay money to God. So give to Caesar, render, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. Jesus rejects the dichotomy, he chooses a third way. There's actually nuance here. It's not just either or, there's nuance. We can split the difference sometimes. Going back to the student at college who's the antagonist against God. You don't have to feed the troll. You don't have to engage in the argument in class. And you don't have to ignore that person either. But what you could do, a third option would be, hey, I'd really love to get coffee with you. 
and meet with you like and get to know you and understand why are you so angry? Why does this keep coming up? What faith organization hurt you? Something happened in your life that's created this pain and how it's coming out is, is sideways. You're just attacking everything that looks like faith. And rather than engaging in the debate in class or ignoring it altogether, maybe more compassionate ways to pull them to the side and say, let's get to know each other. And I'm not even trying to change your mind about faith. I just want to understand who you are and where this is coming from. That could be a third option there. For the uncle who, who calls you up and says, you're never going to believe this about your cousin, but you can't say anything. The third option can be like, hey, uncle, I don't appreciate the situation you put me in. I'm going to let you know that right now in this moment, I am going to reach out to them and, and deal with the situation or try to be helpful. I'm going to try to reach out in compassion and help. And moving forward, if you don't want me to tell my cousin that I have information about him, you can't tell me. Like, don't, that, that's it. There's, there's a nuance here. It's not this or this. It's I'm going to reset boundaries. There's a third way. And I'm going to be compassionate. For the church that's struggling with how do we maintain our tradition while also reaching young generation, maybe there's third ways that you can integrate both. It's not just the either or, there's, there's other options. So when you're stuck in this tension between a rock and a hard place, a lose-lose situation, maybe you can reject that there's only two choices and you can seek out third, fourth, fifth, sixth options, ways to navigate that. So we, uh, we identify the conflicting message, we call it out, we give it a name, we reject that there's only two choices, and then lastly, we prioritize our values. So Jesus is stuck between, going back to the story in the synagogue and the healing, Jesus is stuck between, do you break the Sabbath or do you be a jerk? Jesus looks at his values, he says, am I going to be a, a legalistic keeper of the Sabbath or am I going to heal a person who needs help? And Jesus chose love. When we look at our lives and we're faced with competing values and tensions and decisions, if we know who we are, and what we value and what we are about, these decisions get a lot easier. When it comes to the uncle and the cousin, if you are a person who always leads with love, you're gonna bypass the bad situation that your uncle puts you in and you're gonna lead with love because that's a higher value than maybe breaking your uncle's trust, right? Prioritize your values. Have clarity on, on what you value and that helps you with your decisions. So. A double bind is a situation in which you're giving conflicting messages or expectations or decisions that go against each other, that compete against your values, that compete against your identity. And when we're in those situations, we have anxiety. A way to combat that is to get clear on what those conflicting messages are. We get clear about what's going on. We, we, we right-size it. We challenge the dichotomy. We challenge that there's only two options available to us. And we also get crystal clear on what our values and what our convictions are. I'm going to throw a fourth bonus option in as well. Sometimes you're giving a lose-lose situation, and it truly is that. There is not another option. You're just going to lose. In that situation, lose quickly, lose well, and move on. My buddy Ray, the commissioner of our fantasy football league, I know you guys the whole time, like, what happened in the league? Like, for the past 10 minutes, you're like, I don't care about what, what happened in the fantasy league. Who won the trophy? My buddy Ray was in a, in a rock and a hard place. Whatever decision he made, if you made one decision, I would win. If you made this other decision, David would win. No matter which way he went, half the league would be mad. He called it a tie. On a trophy, both of our names are going to be on there. 
Everyone was mad. <laughs> Let's pray.